I've been doing these moon and water paintings where there's the moon and then there's this water. And I think what I'm trying to say in there is that, you know, the moon pulls the water and it pulls us. And there's this kind of a connection between us and something like the moon that's really deep, but also extremely physical. It's very real. I think it can be explained even through science and stuff like that, right? I just find that fascinating. I think it's the, it's the same, just to extend the metaphor out a bit, it's the same draw that we have to art, you know, or religion or those kind of things that, that form the world around us and the way we view the world and the way we think about the world. I think there's this almost like invisible, you know, gravity-like pole that, that makes us see the world. Welcome to the Studio Break Podcast. I'm your host, David Linaway. For today's 241st episode, I'm excited to be joined once again by Brian Frink, who spoke with me from Mankato, Minnesota, where he currently lives and works. He's wrapping up a over 30-year career of teaching art and painting and drawing and all sorts of stuff. So we check in to see what's going on in his studio. Uh, we talk about drawings and paintings, the relationship of landscape and abstraction, as well as the moon and various other subjects. It's very exciting and it's all coming up in this interview, but make sure to check out his work brianfrank.com where you can also find links to facebook and instagram brian frank art so be sure to follow him there you can also find information for Raka gallery there so hit that all up before you check out this interview and also you can find in the post uh, links to previous interviews with brian if you want to find out more about some of his earlier work upbringing all that sort of stuff is covered so check it out on studiobreak.com and if you are checking out Cedar Break for the first time, we have a variety of different artists and interviews featured there, so dive in and check it out. Once again, each of our posts have images of the artist's artwork, links to their websites, and you can always listen on studiobreak.com in the default player, but you can also subscribe to the podcast using those links on the homepage. So be sure and subscribe in Apple, Spotify, or Google Play, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Likewise, be sure to follow on social media. You can find our Facebook page, so like it. You can find us on Twitter, at Studio Break, and of course, on Instagram at Studio underscore Break. If you want to see some of my paintings, go check out davidlinaway.com if you want to learn a little bit more about your host. Again, I've got a bunch of stuff on sale up there, and that will go to help the podcast, so hope that you check it out. Let's dive right in with Brian Frank. Stay tuned. Welcome to Studio Break, Brian Frank. How are you doing? Doing great, David. Thank you. Yeah, it's excellent to have you back on. I was telling you, it's been, I guess, six years, which is hard to believe. It feels like yesterday, and it's just a pleasure to be back with you. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, obviously, I would encourage people to kind of dive into that archive of interviews uh, as we kind of met very, I guess, serendipitously through people that we know. But I know that back when we had that first interview, I think you were talking a lot about a particularly difficult winter um, yeah. <laughs> where you were trapped inside painting. And so, again, it'll be kind of interesting to, to think about where you're at now. So, again, thanks much for doing this. Oh, sure. My pleasure. My pleasure. As I said earlier, you know, we already got some of that backlog, but maybe just to kind of entice any new listeners to your work, you know, maybe just give us a brief background uh, in terms of maybe where you're at or where you're from and then to talk about, you know, what you're doing. And then we can uh, kind of just start throwing out some some fun questions for you. Sure. Grew up in Illinois, uh, about 40 miles southwest of Chicago. 
I um, went to school at Illinois State University down in Normal, Illinois, where I got my BFA. Then I, right after getting my BFA, which was in 1978, I worked in a factory for a while, saved some money, and moved to Brooklyn, New York, where I got myself a loft, a 2,000 square foot loft that I renovated right in the middle of Williamsburg, which now is considered, well, it's kind of past its prime because it's too crazy now, but, you know, it's been considered kind of the epicenter of, of, of an art scene. Mm-hmm. Actually, it was kind of the start of the Brooklyn art scene, I think, because when I got there, I, I had an interview with the Whitney Museum uh, Studies Program. They were, they were considering letting me go to that. I, I was a finalist for it. And I told them I'd already got my loft in Brooklyn. And I can't remember if it, I think it was Yvonne Rainier. She said to me, why would you want to live in Brooklyn? <laughs> and I was like, well, it's 150 bucks a month. <laughs> right, right. Loft. So, I mean, you know, that was the motivation. So anyway, I went, stayed there, married the, the love of my life, Wilbur. We had our first child there. And then that that motivated me to leave Brooklyn. So we were there about five years, left Brooklyn. I also became an electrician there. I, I worked, that's how I made some money and mm-hmm. and then painted. I had a studio and everything. And then I, I went decided to go to grad school, just sort of as a as a almost a fluke. I ended up going to grad school because we had decided to move to Madison, Wisconsin. And I didn't even know there's a grad program there. And then this friend of mine said, hey, you should go to grad school. And I was like, okay. And I ended up <laughs> applying a couple months late, got in, spent about five years there, and then I got a job at Minnesota State University in Mankato, Minnesota, Southern Minnesota University here, and I'm now in my 32nd year, getting ready to start my last semester. I'm retiring at the end of this next semester, so that's my short bio, I guess. I, I missed a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's there's probably a couple of things in between, right? Yeah, But it's it's nice, I would imagine, going out not as the chair of the department. I think that was what you do before. Oh, yeah. Hopefully now you're just able to focus on some studio classes. I'm just a schmuck now. Yeah, I was chair for, <laughs> uh, for, I don't know, six years, two terms. And it was a blast. But, you know, it was still just a, it was just a ton. It was just, you know, just a lot of responsibility. I don't know if there's ever too much, but it was it was it was a pleasure to do it. I learned a lot, but I'm really glad I'm not doing it, especially during this pandemic season. So, yeah, absolutely. And on that one. And it's interesting, you know, I think about that idea of moving from a, especially from a, you know, an apartment that you're maybe scraping together to get by at $150 a month in, in Brooklyn, yeah. you know, to eventually relocating on this, this uh, poor farm yeah. and having been out there, it's interesting to think about how you've really kind of, you know, really made your own path in the sense of, you know, you've got this, this big piece of land, you've got, you know, Rocka Gallery, which is, you know, the... Uh, rural America contemporary art, you know, which is in the basement where I think I'm talking to you from now. And I know that you've got some work in there, you're showing work, you're having live events. So it's just really cool to think about, I don't know, just that, that whole story of how you got there, which I would encourage people again to dive into the archives, but I'm especially curious, you know, in preparation for this, I was thinking, you know, what is, you know, changed about your studio practice over the years and, and what's stayed the same, I guess? Oh, gosh, that's such a, you know, because I have been at it for a long time. I think what's more remarkable is how much hasn't changed in terms <laughs> of my core habits. You know, I mean, I think the work has changed a lot or the work has circled around a lot. You know, it's, it's almost like a spiral not a spiral, uh, uh, I don't know what the form is, a spring. You know, you're kind of going along through the years and circling around yourself constantly. But when I'm in the middle of it, it's hard to even see that. You know, it's always Mm -hmm. a surprise. Oh, yeah, I did this like, you know, two years ago or 10 years ago or 20 years ago or 30 years ago. But, But with each turn, 
there's a little bit different kind of questions, a little bit different perspective, a little bit different metaphorical relationship to the world, which is because as you age, you know, I think now I can, I'm going to be 65, so I can kind of reflect on my art, you know, making for, I don't know, since I was 17, really. And mm -hmm. it becomes, I guess, deeper, which sounds so cheesy because, you know, if I would have said that like 40 years ago, I would have slapped myself because, <laughs> you know, I was more about, it was more about irony or something, which I think is sort of a conceit of the youth. That's what I've decided. And so, so I think it's more deeper and more honest and more reflective of what I feel about the world in a very honest and, and I hate, I'm not going to use the word authentic because I think it's a dumb word, even though I just used it, but <laughs> I just in this kind of honest thing, you know, I don't know. Does that, that make sense? No, I think so. I mean, you know, we've, you know, talked a number of times already. And one of the things that's interesting is the, circles in your in your work you know the way that you come back to something or the way that something yeah. seems refreshed so it seems like that idea of i guess just being open to change and how you kind of experience new things and and find them in the work you know and i think that's something that i've always found very exciting about your work especially Thanks. you know i think about the scale changes these you know funky kind of shaped canvases that you've you yeah. know kind of explored as well so it seems like there's always something maybe new to kind of explore yeah, I think about a year or so ago, I got into this working on unstretched and unprimed canvas with acrylic paint, which just kind of blew my mind that I'd even make that jump. And that's something I've just touched. I haven't really, some other things took precedence over that, but I'm kind of excited to get back to doing those. So yeah, and a lot of times the changes just have to do with rethinking how to use the same old materials or rethinking sort of maybe like I got into this this um, unstretched thing because I started thinking about a stretched canvas and how a stretched canvas has a certain kind of historical weight or historical burden in relationship to Western painting and how it became this object that exported Western ideals to other cultures and dominated those cultures, right? Mm -hmm. So like that's religious ideals and economic ideals. Like, oh, suddenly, you know, people in China are looking at stretched canvases and thinking, oh, I have to make one of those to look like an abstract expressionist painter so I can make money and be relevant and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. That was sort of this really weird line of thinking. And then I started looking at fiber art because fiber artists are definitely not, you know, painters and they're not kind of following this sort of, these sort of uh, built-in, this built-in language that I think in many regards is becoming more and more corrupted or corrupt or people are really reconsidering it. So it's those kind of things, new discoveries, new thoughts. And that just had to do with looking at an exhibition up in Minneapolis of fiber artists. And, and so I hope that as I age and keep exploring that I stay open to that kind of stuff too. Is it almost like seasonal, I guess, in the way that you kind of explore stuff? Because I think about like in the summer, you're like, I know that there's a lot of more um, interesting kind of observational work or drawing. Is that something that kind of changes just depending on, you know, where you're at? Like I've been making these types of paintings and then one morning you're just like, oh man, I'm going to invest into this. And I would imagine some of that comes in with commissions and, you know, making works for people. Yeah. Like right now I'm, I'm really interested in doing public art. I've done a couple projects like in public spaces. So I have a, an opportunity that I'm going for. So I, I so I kind of modified some previous those odd shapes into this other kind of thing that would work for a project. So that's the other kind of thing too. If I see this project and it's in a particular space and they're looking for kind of some kind of thing, then I try to sort of figure out how to make work for that thing. And so that leads me in new directions too, that I'm totally open to. You know, one of the things I think that is 
really um, destructive for an artist is to think that they have to work in kind of one way, mm -hmm. like one style or one approach. And I think you just have to be open to really, you know, churn in the churn in the soil. But I am definitely to answer your question. I, I do do kind of I would call seasonal work. I mean, when I'm inside and it's winter and everything, I'm doing a different kind of work than when I can go outside and, and work. Well, and I think about that specifically, like I said, you know, with the drawings, and I believe that there's an island or something that you kind of yeah, go and camp yeah, out yeah. And, and work from. Yeah. And I just yeah. think about that. There's like a lyrical quality to um, the, the mark making and things that I see in a lot of the abstract work. So maybe what's the relationship, do you think, between landscape, you know, and that process distilled into some of these more abstracted, I guess, kind of landscapes or formal landscapes? Well, I think it's all about place and perspective and where your gaze lies and where, where, you know, the metaphorical relationship you're trying to create. And sometimes that, that might include something that's more recognizable, like the island. So to me, this island is very, it's part of my history as a person. Um, it's uh, some property my parents have been taking us up to in northern Wisconsin since I was six or seven years old. So, you know, I've always been intrigued by that island. But then I think an island also becomes this it's an interesting metaphor for, for all kinds of things. I won't go into it, but. And it carried that idea a bit further. What's the relationship of the, like, you know, the actual landscapes to like these imagined kind of landscapes? Well, I think they're all kind of imagined. Mm -hmm. I think they're all imagined. So even if you're trying to as close as you can to get it to quote, look the way it looks, that that's still this imaginary relationship between you and what you're experiencing. You know, I, I, we were talking a few minutes ago about how I think most art is not really about what you're looking at at all. It's about the relationships between the things that you're looking at. So it's not the tree that you're drawing or painting or whatever. It's the tree, sky, land, air, wind, moisture, whatever you're feeling and, and experiencing that moment. And then if you take that idea and just kind of build off of it, that can, can include art history. It can include what you ate for lunch. So it becomes kind of an abstract ideal that has a fluidity and a flexibility. So I'd like to think of myself as that kind of artist, like, like right now, I'm just working on a flower painting up in my studio or flower drawing. You know, it's just it's, it's just a flower. It's nothing. But I'm also working on this wacky, weird shape thing. So it's kind of like a balancing act between all these things or at least maybe kind of I don't want to say departures or, you know, just something where you're going to kind of shift gears, I guess, and, and jump into something else. Well, kind of, I, I just think we live in an age where we don't have to pound in an idea, mm -hmm. you know, into, into the culture, into the moment or anything, the, the ideas have all been pounded. And I mean, it's a very postmodern sort of notion, but um, I just think I have the privilege of, of having this fluidity that I can, you know, one day work this way and another day work another way. And it's not like postmodernist or anything. It's just what it is. Right. So I don't have to necessarily, in my opinion, re, you know, refine a style. Or, in fact, I think it's my it's my responsibility to really stretch myself in every way I can. Well, it's interesting too, because I brought this anecdote up. I saw somewhere in the past year or something about, you know, you playing guitar and that's yeah. a weird departure that I've had because I've gotten really into it as, as the pandemic started, you know, my friend from graduate school and I, I think we've got like eight songs now. No kidding. You're ahead of me then. <laughs> and it's, it's kind of hilarious because like for me, you know, the guitar was always something that was something that I, you know, ideally wanted to play, but I never had the discipline for, and it seems just so mysterious Yeah, and it, it still is completely, but you know, it's just interesting because I went back through and, you know, grabbed those songs or whatever that I really kind of uh, fell in love with when I was younger. And I'm, you know, just kind of being like, this isn't so, so difficult, you know, or it's easier than I, than I thought it was. And so there's something about learning 
relative to an experience like that, that it kind of, you know, is something that kind of, I don't know, just adds to, I guess, my sensitivity or, you know, maybe just what I might do, you know, in terms of painting or, and I feel like, again, there's kind of like that maybe kindred spirit relative to, to your experiences, the way that you're going to kind of shift into something else or, yeah. you know, the way that you're going to move on. Oh my gosh, like I want to do this, you know, or I'm going to paint on this massive, you know, painting in my bathrobe and document it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Fantastic video, by the way. So, oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, and I guess to think about that too, you know, we were just talking about this this island. Um, I'm especially interested. You know, what is your relationship to like the idea of water? Is that kind of like metaphorical in terms of the work being so kind of like flexible to change and to shift? Or, well, I think it's metaphorical. It's psychological. It's 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 uh, the narrative of water. Water you know, we transport ourselves. It's about that. It's about, you know, psychology. It's an unknown. It's threatening. It's death. You know, it's kind of all those things wrapped up. And it's also just cool to look at. I I think we're all attracted to water because, you know, that's where we came from and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I just think it's all that. And we are water, you know, we're made of water. So I think I've been doing these moon and water paintings where there's the moon and then there's this water. And I think what I'm trying to say in there is that you know, the moon pulls the water and it pulls us. And there's this kind of a connection between us and something like the moon that's really deep, but also extremely physical. It's very real. I think it can be explained even through science and stuff like that. Right. Mm-hmm. I just find that fascinating. I think it's a, it's the same, just to extend the metaphor out a bit, it's the same draw that we have to art, you know, or religion or those kind of things that, that form the world around us and the way we view the world, and the way we think about the world. I think there's this almost like invisible, you know, gravity like pull that that makes us see the world. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. You know, it kind of reminds me in an odd way of thinking about like electronics. Like I never yeah. you know, think about how a phone works, but I know that it does. Yeah, right, right. But there's something so much more, yeah, for lack of a better word, spiritual or experiential, you know, like when you're thinking about your relationship to you know, like a massive mountain or a massive skyline or something like that. And I think, you know, again, I would imagine that's something that is really, I don't know, stimulating relative to like things that you're kind of interested in those types of experiences or. Absolutely. And I'm glad you mentioned skyline because it's not, I don't see it as just sort of this nature thing. I mean, I find it nature and we we're talking a lot about nature lately because of the pandemic and we're supposed to go out in nature and hang out because we're all stuck on computers and stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's not just nature. It is this computer and it's this desk I'm on and this chair I'm sitting in and it's this building I'm in and all the sort of things that we create because we also create nature. Nature is a cre- total creation. It's not nature. And so I find that fascinating. Sure. Well, I mean, again, I've you know thought about that relative to my work because, yeah. you know, the way that people present their lawns, you know, like or I remember there was a series of works where I was literally just painting everything but the home, you know, just bushes and all the manicured kind of landscapes that we don't even see or even think about you know right it's fan it's fascinating because it's also definitely sculptural you know it's it's they're creating their world around them and it's it's obsessive and it's really really fascinating well so maybe a weird question i don't know because i like questions i like trying to ask them i don't feel like i don't do a good job (laughs) of it because i'm so straightforward on these interviews but yeah you know so in terms of like like painting you know, are you kind of more excited about like the start of a painting or the conclusion of a painting? Now I'm going to answer it in a weird way. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not interested in the painting at all. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I really am not. I mean, I know what you're saying. I mean, p- painting to me is 
it's just a physical act like eating or pissing or lots of other things, you know, that, that I do with my body and my, and even my mind and everything. And I guess that's a kind of a crude way of saying that it's just a vehicle. Right. And, but I'm not one of those painters that like obsesses over paint or, you know, I mean, I buy good paint. I like good paint and stuff like that, but I'm not like upset. I don't study it constantly. I'm not a, not a craftsman in, in any way that I think of. I mean, I, my paintings hold up. You get what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not a student of painting in that same, in that way. Mm-hmm. You know, at times I kind of wish that I could just write poetry. You know, it's so economical. I wouldn't have to have this gigantic house and I wouldn't have to smell stuff that I'm always worrying I'm going to get lung cancer or something. <laughs> but I just can't write poetry. <laughs> sure, sure. You know, no, so maybe my paintings suck. I don't know. But it, but it, 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 a painting and drawing, it flows from me much more readily, you know, so... I don't know. I don't know if I answered your question. Well, I think you. I think I like letting you answer it the way that you want to answer it too. You know. Um, so that's what that's what happens when I try to load up these you know mysterious questions. Um, I'm, no, I like, that's an awesome question to ask, really. And you know, honestly, it's I've been. I mean, I've been painting for a long many years, but and I don't feel like I really know how to paint in any way, mm-hmm. which is to again means to me I'm not that interested in it in this in this one way, but then I'm actually far more interested in another way, you know? Well, it makes me feel better because I guess that's where my question came from. You know, one of the things that I, I talk to people about, especially students, is that like, you know, in critique, you know, you're really kind of also like paying attention to see what's relevant to you, Yeah. you know, when you're asking questions. So like yeah. for me, I just know in the past, like the start of a painting has been some of the hardest things for me to kind of work through. But the reality of it is like the whole process to me is kind of like just something that I'm I'm not really sure of myself, you know, like it's going to be resolved when it's going to be resolved. And it's like I need to make a move in order to see or even kind of think about what's going to happen next, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree. And it's, I think it's a fascinating problem in every way. And it's a, and it's a really strange preoccupation that we have. As people, you know, as creatures, we make these things. And I'm definitely interested in painting, you know, in ways that are deeper than, say, just a person that likes to look at them, like a, per, you know, a person that collects or whatever. Mm-hmm. But that deepness is really even hard to describe, I guess. It's just, uh, now I'm feeling like I'm going to start sounding like a jazz musician. <laughs> So, <laughs> I mean, I kind of think it's similar. Well, I'm curious, too, about that. You know, like, are there other things that influence you that, you know, people wouldn't necessarily think of in, in terms of looking at the work? And again, I know you're a big music fan. You've got your record yeah, spinning. Yeah, and... the kind of first easy kind of thing, but not really. And I think I would have answered that question very differently, like 20 or 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. I, I just think what influences me the most, and this will probably sound dumb or pretentious, but what in- influences me the most is just what's essential. Mm-hmm. What's essential to that moment? What's essential to that the moment I'm making, whatever I'm making, whatever I'm looking at or whatever I'm responding to or, or you know, and, and a lot of time, most of the time, actually, it's just, it's just the material I'm using too, you know, just kind of responding to that material. Well, and that's, I think, why I was especially curious thinking about that aspect of water, because I mean, again, there's such a diluted kind of washy kind of look to your work and yeah. you know it's obviously like so like to me it looks so lyrical just because of the repetition of all the the lines the mark yeah yeah you know the way that colors kind of shift or like you could imagine there's some kind of interference or texture again it kind of brings this mystery of like how is this thing made you know which right. is right. something that's exciting to me yeah that's something that's really important to me is just kind of creating something that that has that quality to it because i want to try to you know see that myself too. 
and, and it comes in really weird hints. Like just a while back, I, well, it has to do with the fact I, I had my students in my beginning drawing class buy some colored pastels. And so, and I used to do a lot of pastel drawings. I haven't really done many lately, but I had them get them. And then I thought, oh, I got to do a demo. And so I was working on a demo and I thought, oh man, I want to just do this myself again. So I suddenly started cranking out colored pastel drawings. And this is leading me to thinking about painting differently because suddenly I'm thinking, you know, I kind of want to do maybe some paintings that are chunkier, you know, mm -hmm. like that's the only thing I have in my head, like a painting that's chunky. I don't know what that means, maybe more texture because I really eliminated texture for the last 15 years or so. I just got rid of texture in my paintings. I've just been brushing them down heavily. So they're kind of like, like you were just referring to all these different technical things that are that are um, kind of not as direct, you mm -hmm. know. So those are the little hints I get. I don't know what that means going forward, but they might get chunkier. <laughs> well, I'm curious, you know, to follow up on that, is something like chance something that's influential in your work? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think chance and randomness was the number one contribution to culture, art, or whatever of the 20th century. The idea of randomness, chance. I mean, it's created all kinds of problems related to, you know, psychology, I think, and stuff. But people anxious about God and all that shit um, or no God or whatever. I think for artists, the idea of randomness is, is absolutely beautiful and extraordinary and very much about what the world really is. I mean, you could get hit by a meteor, right, and killed this second, right? So, <laughs> or whatever, a truck go through your apartment or house, <laughs> kill well what uh, why i don't know why i think or you could win the lottery sure and then go broke <laughs> <laughs> well and that's why i think you know like again i go back to that video and i'm just kind of amazed you know to see you getting up on a ladder and you're just oh the painting yeah yeah kind of kind of letting all of this you know uh liquid just kind of like eat away a thing or dissolve a color and it's just it, again interesting to kind of see that process kind of build and, and shift and change and so again i think that that idea of chance is something that I don't know. I don't know if it gets talked about enough or maybe it does. I don't know. And maybe I'm just, uh, you know, been under a rock for too long. And maybe it's because I'm, you know, just in a different spot. But I'm, I mean, maybe I feel like there's always this battle of control and chance, you know? Right, 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 right. Well, there is. There is. Because, I mean, chance, it kind of boils down to what's the relationship to the work you create and what could be considered sort of natural or real or in the world, you know, cause I think you could have like the old problem of, well, there's a chair you can sit in, but then there's the painting of the chair. So this is not the chair kind of thing or whatever, but mm -hmm. I don't know if that is exactly what I'm trying to say, but I think we can make a, a painting that doesn't look like a painting because it's too random, right? It look, could look like just a like the floor of, of a painting studio. Um, there's a certain beauty in that, but it loses any kind of intentionality. So there's that balance between intentionality, the artist and the mind that creates this thing, and the idea of randomness that that sort of fuels it, you know? Mm -hmm. Right? Does that make sense? Yeah, so I think so. We are trying to always kind of balance those two considerations. Yeah, absolutely. I'm especially thinking about relative to your current work. Are, you were talking earlier about a project that you're working towards in terms of these kind of shaped canvases. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, like, I guess what's that relationship been like? Because I want to especially think about, you know, some things coming up, even though we're kind of in this weird uh, pandemic state. You know, it's got to be kind of exciting to think about, you know, putting this work out there or thinking about a new space to kind of figure out how to adapt your work to. Is, has that changed the way that you think about any of your work? Yeah, I think it does. I mean, I love the idea of um, as much it can be kind of frustrating at times. I love the idea of collaborating with people that are that are commissioning a work like I mean, when I did that whole pet painting thing that that was the real interest for me was collaborating with the people that, that belong to the pet or whatever. 
Fed belong to. Mm-hmm. And so a commission like the one I'm just I'm working on right now, I just submitted for it yesterday. To me, it's fascinating to hear what they want for the space to actually engage in a process of designing something for the space, but then also thinking about the kind of artwork I think would be, you know, amazing to see in that space, like actual artwork, not just some kind of, you know, blob or anything, but something that does something. I just think all that's really interesting. What I can bring to it, what the committee brings to it, um, and what eventually happens. There's a lot of interesting energy there that it can be very frustrating, of course. I get paid, which is awesome, you know, (laughs) because I got to make money, but it kind of removes your own sort of sense of your own ego from the whole process. And I think that's always healthy. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because it kind of goes back to something that we were talking about earlier, which was, you know, all these kind of hats that you're juggling, all these different things, these roles, you know, you're a, a gallery dude. Uh, you're a teacher, you're an artist, you know, but then you also have these kind of collaborative efforts where you have to kind of envision something, you know, for a space and how that's going to work and what people's expectations are. So again, it's, it's just interesting to think about as like a different kind of problem, I guess, you know, as opposed to just, you know, putting on your bathrobe and climbing up a ladder. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> It's exactly. Well, in, in many ways, though, that was a collaboration because I made that painting for that lecture I did. So I was very conscious of, in a sense, putting on a show. Mm-hmm. So it was, in, in, in many ways, a very different sort of thing for me than just what I would normally do. But then I learned a lot from it, too. I mean, I had to work much quicker, much more free than I would normally have on a painting that size. And I really liked what I did. And so that I learned a lot from that. I mean, half the time I feel like I'm, I should say a hundred percent of the time, I kind of feel like I'm collaborating anyway, mm-hmm. whether it's with the, some kind of weird collaboration with my, my personal history or people I've known or ideas I've had or the history of art and painting and things like that. So, I mean, I just think we're part of this wheel right or whatever yeah well i'm in the the universe uh in air quotes right i mean right whatever, right, right, whatever that right. is yeah fantastic yeah and i have a really awful question for you real quick too so which is which is you know how do you know when to stop because i think that's one of the fascinating things about that video there's so many points in that documentation of that making that work that i'm just like oh man that looks amazing not, and it's like <laughs> yeah yeah well i think Oddly enough, okay, I'll try to answer that. This is super honest. I never even thought of of the answer this way. You can always stop. Mm -hmm. And I think a painting should kind of always feel that way, like you can always stop and, yeah, this will work. It's almost like I keep thinking of like like a holograph, you know. I don't know if this analogy will work, but I'll give it a shot. Supposedly you can cut a holograph into pieces, and each piece contains the whole holograph, right? Does that make sense? Is that true? It sounds true because you're saying it. Yeah, I mean, it sounds cool. So you take a hunk, and then so the one-inch hunk of the holograph, you shine a light, and you get the same image. It's probably wrong, but it sounds cool. I kind of think of paintings that way. So as you're making the painting, the whole painting is always in front of you, finished. I don't think you ever decide, you never start or stop. It just is there. It's like a mirage to me that you never catch up to or something. Yeah, something. I don't know. So, so I mean... um, I never think about stopping the painting. You know, I never think about whether it's finished. I honestly don't. I just kind of, I mean, I'll say on Facebook, oh, this one's done or whatever, but I could always do fiddle around with it more. I always could like, you know, and I always think it's hilarious because I'll put it something on Facebook and people will be like, oh my God, stop. And <laughs> I never do. Right. And, <laughs> and it's like this weird game I play with myself because then it's like setting myself up. Like, 
you know, putting a painting on and everybody's loving it, but I know I'm going to just like change it. So it doesn't, it's kind of funny. Right. Right. Hate it or whatever, but. Well, so, you know, kind of going into the new year, are you kind of working on shows or exhibitions? I know obviously during the, you know, this very strange year leading into next year with the pandemic, it's been, you know, something where everybody's kind of shifting uh, deadlines and and things like that. But are there, you know, shows that you're working towards in the, in the next year? You know, I had, I had a couple shows canceled that I was looking forward to. I'm, affiliated with just the one gallery from over Wisconsin, James May Gallery, awesome gallery. They had a beautiful space and they ended up because of the pandemic and a few other things, they um, ended up closing the physical space. They're trying to find, I'm still part of the gallery with their whole online thing and they're trying to find new space. So I'm not sure what will happen there. I'm retiring from my academic position at the end of this year. So I you know, will be making some major shifts there. I had a couple other things canceled and I just haven't really rescheduled anything. Um, I'm not even trying to get anything at this point. I'm just, just kind of working away on stuff. Yeah. I think I'm just going to give myself the luxury. I have these like commissions and stuff I have to finish up. So I'm just going to kind of give myself the luxury of not worrying about showing for a while. I might try to do some kind of like retirement show at MSU or a local gallery here, the Carnegie. Interesting. Well, and I know that obviously, you know, cause I visited you uh, not too long ago. I know that you now have a, a wood fire uh, pizza oven that yep. help keeps yep. you occupied. Yep. Has that changed anything, Brian? <laughs> uh, well, actually, I make much better pizza, but <laughs> it caught on fire this fall. My oh, no. pizza, yeah, it burned. And so she's out of commission at the moment. I bought built the oven originally for Wilbur's fundraiser for her Open Arts Minnesota organization last year. And we did a new fundraiser, a pandemic fundraiser, where it was a pizza drive through where people would drive around our house and pick up, order it, and then pick up their pizza. And it was going along great. People were getting, I think we were on our 70th pizza or something like that. And suddenly flames start shooting out from around the chimney. Oh, man. So I, I ran and got a fire extinguisher and a ladder and jumped up there and put it all out and everything. So I took the front off and we had to put out the fire and all this stuff. And the the, the main components of the oven are just fine. The the cooking surface and the dome are good but i have to rebuild the chimney area and um do it proper <laughs> so it doesn't on fire use more stone and concrete no wood <laughs> so she's out of commission at the moment but thanks for asking <laughs> i think it has changed me in a way because well i don't know i like to have a good party so i've always <laughs> liked a good party and so it's just a way to get people out here and hang out we may, i make everybody pizza yeah well again i would imagine that in the the future there's going to be many a raka event as you're you know, sailing into the sunset, whatever, the, whatever that golden sunset moment is, right? Yes, yes, um, yes, yes. Well, Why you know, not? as we're kind of wrapping up, though, I, I want to just make sure where's where are the best places to kind of see your work and to kind of see, you know, what you're doing. Well, right now, um, my website, brianfrank.com, is um, probably the best place to look at it. Facebook, so Brian Frank on Facebook and Instagram. And then, so social media stuff. And then the gallery I'm part of, James May Gallery, they have an artsy um, gallery site. They have, actually, I have an exhibition on that site right now where I'm paired with two other artists. They've been doing these online exhibitions, which are cool. I like them. I think it's an awesome show. So those are basically, those are the places to see what I'm doing. All right. Well, again, I, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time. And it's always fascinating to check in with you and see what you got cooking, if you will. Super great pleasure, David. Thank you. You are a gem. 
Thanks once again to Brian for joining me. Please go check out his website, brianfrank.com, and you can find all sorts of great stuff there, works for sale, as well as what's going on in the studio. You can also find out information about Raqqa Gallery or Rural America Contemporary Art, which is really cool, so check that out. You can also find his work at James May Gallery, so go there and check it out. And studiobreak.com will have links on the post for all of the previous interviews if you want to learn more about Brian's background. If you enjoyed today's interview, go to studiobreak.com and check out some of our recent interviews with Sam Mack, Spencer Molnar, Ryan McCullough, Bethany Irons, to name a few. So there's plenty of recent episodes and a big archive, so you can go through all of them. Once again, all of our posts have images of the artist's artwork, links to their websites, and of course, you can listen right in the default player or just click those links and subscribe to the podcast. And of course, if you enjoy it, please uh, say hello, leave us a review. That'd be awesome. And once again, you can find us on Facebook, so please like our page there. You can find us on Twitter, at Studio Break, and of course, be sure to say hello on Instagram at Studio underscore break it's always great hearing from listeners and it's also quite easy to share a studio break in social media and get some karma points so please consider doing that as well i want to thank skylar mail who provides the music to studio break go check out his website his work at skylarmail.net if you'd like to see some of my paintings go to davidlinaway.com as i said at the start of the episode there's a big sale going on and i'm hoping to do a lot of work to revamp studio break so it's going to a good cause there are prints that are very affordable paintings that are very affordable and all of that comes with free shipping uh, through december so go check it out peruse there's a ton of work there and i reworked it recently so davidlinaway.com and of course you can find me on twitter at david linaway on facebook of course and of course on instagram at david linaway so be sure to follow me there as well and say hello all right i hope that you enjoyed today's episode as much as i did i hope brian left you with some interesting things to think about and that you are making tons of great work staying productive staying safe we'll talk to you real soon